This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We come to H time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Great day. Great day. Oh, give me some juice. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Tuesday to all of you. Nice to be with you. Appreciate you getting up with us. We are with you until 10 a.m. this morning. We've got a big announcement at 9.55. So just stick you with do? us for the next three hours and 55 minutes. We do, Seth. I'll I don't get, even know what that is. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you up to speed. No worries. Okay. Yeah, we got a big don't announcement. Don't tell me. I want to be surprised. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So can you yeah, and you stick around also for the is next three a, hours and 55 minutes. Is this something I got in an email already? It, it is. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I'll see if it's worth opening after you tell me at 9.50. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, you are involved, so uh, okay. you, you've been warned. Um, so um, so stick around for that. We got that, but we got a lot to get to today, man. Um, a lot of... Uh, I don't know. A lot of uh, I think um, this was definitely the most, the most uh, uh, I would say the most I've been looking forward to thoughts coming out of NRG Stadium after a season is over. Yesterday, like I, yeah, I rarely do. I look forward to hearing what the coach has to say and the quarterback has to say and others have to say once the season's over. Yesterday started to get me on the countdown to training camp. One hundred eighty-four really, days. Yeah, against camp. my uh, against my own expectations, I actually was I, I got enthusiastic about I, I, I went into a dead set thinking, yeah, uh, look, I'm not in the mood for this. OK, I don't need no happy, happy, joy, joy. All right. I don't need to put a spin on anything. And I, I watched the entire uh, Will Anderson, CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's press conferences. And I got kind of pumped up about it. And without any like uh, they, I don't they, they weren't throwing propaganda at me or anything. They're just being themselves. They were being and themselves. I was, yeah, kind of psyched. I think it's I, I think to me it was just especially with CJ and D'Amico. Will's just in a in a vacuum. Will Anderson is just awesome. Like I could listen to Will Anderson talk all day. The, He's like, a pure beam of light. Yeah, yeah. Like the big thing for me is just the reminder. Like wow, we've got and we'll talk more about this in the next segment. We've got a head coach and a quarterback that are just completely aligned right now. Moving forward here, it's just it feels good, man. Just it, it, as bad as that felt on Saturday, in what was the most watched game in ESPN history, by the way, thirty-one point eight million people watched the Texans put that effort out there on Saturday. I'm like, part of me is like, wow, that's really cool. I don't know if, if and if you're just hearing this, like this was a bit of news yesterday. The Texans Ravens game on Saturday was the most watched game in ESPN history, thirty-one point eight million viewers, which is something else when you consider. That it was a Saturday afternoon game, and ESPN has the rights to Monday Night Football. Like that's pretty incredible right. when you think about. I know it's a playoff game versus a regular season game, but Monday Night Football is one of the crown jewels of 
of TV in the NFL. And so part of me was like, well, that's pretty awesome, man, that the Texans were involved in a game that was that was so well-watched, that had so many viewers. And then part of me was like, geez, I kind of wish they hadn't gotten steamrolled in the second half of that game the way that they did. No, it might be good, though, because for a team that never made it to the red zone, barely crossed the 50. If you want to retain Bobby Slowick, the, the double-edged yeah. sword in that, in that fight is like, oh, okay, well... Uh, they, they couldn't figure out a way to scheme anything up against that defense. And yet that guy that you still want to keep doesn't look as good to everybody else. I feel like if he had, if Slowick, if Slowick, who I want to stick around for at least one more year, if anything, just for the sake of continuity with CJ Stroud. So he's not having to deal with a new guy and potentially new little wrinkles and twists and everything. I just want some continuity. I feel like that was a a bonus for us. I do too. So I'm, I'm good with that. I also think, if you think about the game, I mean, it was tied at halftime, and it featured Lamar Jackson, who's just, uh, like, he does electrifying things on the football field, and C.J. Stroud, who there's a huge buzz about, and especially in these playoffs. I mean, C.J. got so much airtime on ESPN that the, the build-up to this game was, was way more than anything we've experienced recently. Like, I've, yeah, for this Saturday afternoon game, this had a whole lot more glitz and appeal to it than typical. Sure did. So ESPN was probably pretty excited about yep, it. Yep, yep. And I think the viewership bears that out. And I think it. And I think it's. I think it's indicative of what next year's schedule is going to look like for the Houston Texans. Like I, yeah. I, I Lamar is Lamar was a big part of that thirty-one point eight million. Obviously, he's going to be the MVP of the league. And to your point, Seth, not just MVP of the league, but he has a style of play that the average fan wants to watch. He's very exciting to watch, but. I don't think you can discount C.J. Stroud in that either and and how intriguing the Texans are, especially compared to how maybe unintriguing they've been over the last few years. I think there's going to be a few primetime games for the Texans next year. I think they're going to get at least one of these two things, a London game or a Thanksgiving Day game with the Cowboys. I, I would I would bet... I would bet Ooh. money that they'll get because because the Vikings, London. the Vikings and the Jags, who are yeah. both road opponents for the Texans this coming yeah. season, both are they've been announced as hosting a London game this year. London, London would be cool. Um, there, what are the other are the other international games starting next year? Or is that two years from now? The no, well, the opener. They, I, I believe I've heard they're opening the season in South America, but they haven't announced who's hosting that game. Right. Yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah they've so been, why London? Why do you think London and not necessarily one of the other ones? Well, only because they've announced who the actual host teams are for the London games, and, t- oh, okay, and two of them you. are two of them are Jacksonville and the Vikings, okay. who are on but, the Texans schedule. But there's also still, so we don't know who the other ones though. Too, we don't. So there's still the yeah. possibility of the other ones. I'd, Maybe. I'd prefer Brazil, but uh, I, I, I've seen bunch of a uh, bunch of English people like uh, you know in my life. I, I live with them all, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather go to Brazil. I'd rather get to know a little bit of Portuguese. Me too. Um, yeah. I, you and I could be huge in Portugal. You think? I mean, excuse me, in Brazil. And Portugal. As long as we learn to speak Portuguese. Yeah. I can do that. Was it Rosetta Stone? Is that what it is? Rosetta Stone? You, where you learn the... Yeah, Rosetta Stone. It seems like Duolingo is the more popular Babel. I've heard Babel. I think Babel I've heard advertise on our air um, before. So that'll be mine if they're advertising. I, I'll, 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 I'll back them up. Duolingo is the best for giving you a little uh, positive reinforcement all along the way. It gets to the point where it's addictive almost. Oh, really? I, actually, I Yeah, I watched a TED Talk with the founder of Duolingo. It was really interesting. Mm. The, the, he propagandized me pretty well. His whole, this whole, his whole thing was he wanted to help out. He wanted to help people out, um, you know, around the world. 
and make a huge impact. And he, they realize, okay, the best way you can make an immediate impact in the lives of a lot of people in like third world countries or more impoverished countries is to teach them English. Because if they're, if they're like a waiter, then all of a sudden they can be a waiter at a, a nicer restaurant. Yeah. Or, you know, they can work in tourism or they can do, you know, they can be a go-between uh, between business people in their country and American business people. So, so they, they made it uh, accessible for, they tried to make it accessible, like learning English accessible. For everybody. And, and very cheap and easy for yeah. everyone. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. That's very So cool. that's why you and I will be ambassadors for good if we learn uh, Portuguese on Duolingo. In South America. It's not yeah. just about football. It's about you and I spreading the gospel of football. That's to, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> CJ's got the whole God thing covered. Right, you right. and I will spread the gospel. of. I'll football. give my testimony. To stay in my lane. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. stay in my lane. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of, um, speaking of Bobby Slowick, I would say that if you're of mind that you want Bobby Slowick to stick around for another year, which both you and I are, and I think most Texan fans are, I think there's a lot of Texan fans that are maybe, I guess, somewhat understandably disappointed with Bobby Slowick on Saturday. Um, but I think overall, Bobby Slowick's body of work has been good this year. And to your point, Seth, continuity I think would be huge for CJ and CJ Stroud. And this we know CJ Stroud loves Bobby Slowick, so that his opinion matters more than ours. Tennessee, we can cross off the list. Tennessee reportedly is hiring Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for Cincinnati. I would say that's one big threat to hire Bobby Slowick that we can cross off the list of vacancies, don't you? Uh, the yeah. Tennessee Titans. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, it's not like he's going to be leaving to. Or, oh, as far as like the the realistic places that he might go. The, but Bobby Slowick could go. Tennessee's yeah. no longer available. Tennessee's going to hire a head coach. Right. Yeah, we could cross it off the list. Yeah. But I but I think the important thing is that that's one of the favorites for where he Correct. would go. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. They're so, big. They were a big threat. Yeah. 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 That's um. That's very reasonable, especially because if you think about it, I mean, they hired a a Kubiak guy. Uh, you know, Callahan was with Kubiak in Denver, in uh, in Cincinnati with Taylor. The, he's a Kubiak guy, and they wanted to put that system in. So he has a lot of history with that. I guess with Callahan, um, you know, I always uh, try to shy away from quarterback guru stuff. But he's done some really good things with some quarterbacks and, like, helped guys get to their – their first 4,000 yard seasons and things like that. So, um, it's a threat. He helped, he helped David Carr reach his first career 4,000 yard passing season. He, uh, helped Matt Stafford get back to back 4,000 plus yard seasons in 2016 and 17 with Callahan as his position coach. So he's rubbed up against some good quarterbacks, including Joe Burrow. Joe obviously. Burrow, yeah. Cincinnati, yeah. I mean, if I'm just basing it on his recent body of work, Cincinnati's been one of the better offensive teams in football the last few years. They, they look like they know what they're doing. I mean, the big question would just be, okay, he wasn't the play caller in Cincinnati. Uh, okay. Neither was Zach Taylor when he got hired away from the Rams. But uh, I, so will Callahan be the head coach and the play caller um, and offensive coordinator? I don't know, but I kind of like that. I feel like it feels like maybe when Kubiak first came here and it, I think I don't know if part of his pitch was, hey, I might be able to fix David Carr, or if they just wanted to see if he could fix David Carr. But there was like a one-year grace period of him taking te- David Carr for a spin, and I feel like Callahan's going to have to take Will Levis for a spin for a full year, and I don't think Will Levis is actually going to be any good. Yeah, so that's that's good for the Texans for at least one year. I 100% think he's going to have to take Will Levis for a spin for a year, just based on Amy Adams Strunk's interview that she did the day that they hired 
or fired, I should say, Mike Vrabel, and she was listing all the reasons why it was a great opening. And at the top of the list was we've got a great we've got a great young quarterback. You know, I don't know if she used the word great, but she clearly cited Will Levis as a reason why the job was attractive. So there, uh, you know, my that would seem to point to signs that they're going to have to at least uh, Callahan's at least going to have to see if he can salvage Will Levis. Maybe overstating it, but I don't think Will Levis is very good. I you know if I had to guess, if you had asked me in 2026, is Will Levis going to be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans? I guess no, right now. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. He doesn't. I, I don't know if he'll be walking by week three. Yeah, that's part he of it. Doesn't learn that he's not Cam Newton. That's part he of it. Just, he takes he takes such stupid hits. Yeah. But you know what? He takes stupid hits the way uh, like a young Baker Mayfield took stupid hits. And look at what happened to Baker Mayfield. It took a couple. It took a few years for it to happen to him. But Baker wasn't as. He didn't take as many stupid hits as Will Levis. Will Levis almost looks like it's his mission to take stupid hits. Yes. He get like he gets paid. Based yeah. on how many stupid hits he takes. He's got yeah. a stupid hit incentive in his contract. <laughs> but he's not built like a guy that could take those stupid no. hits. No. He thinks he is, though. He's always flexing I know he thinks stuff. he is. I, I think, he's, I think he thinks because he's kind of muscular and he works out that he can take those hits. Like, no, dude. You'd be much better off like adding some body fat to your frame. Yep. Like, I'm not in the business of giving Will Levis advice. Right. So you can just keep on doing whatever he's doing. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne with you on a Tuesday here. So we're off and running. we got a lot to get to from yesterday over at NRG Stadium. we still got a lot left over from the weekend that we didn't get to yesterday. Seth and I did in two-hour show yesterday, so we still have a ton to get to. Astros in the news yesterday. They introduced Josh Hader. We're going to get to all that here in the 6 o'clock hour. Up next, CJ in his exit interview yesterday. Man, it was good. He used the D word. CJ used the D word yesterday. We will have that for you coming up next. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Sports Radio 610 presents Pain and Pendergast. Good to be with you on a Tuesday, Pain and Pendergast, Sports Radio 610. Here was C.J. Stroud yesterday in his final press conference of the uh, of the season, his exit press conference, talking about his head coach, D'Amico Ryans. He uses a magical word in this cut right here. Take a listen. I really appreciate him for the trust because um, that's one thing, like in football, that's probably the main thing that you need is trust you know what i'm saying and i appreciate him for trusting me and uh uh he knows that i trust him tremendously tr- tremendously any decision he makes like i know that it's at the the forefront of what's best for the team um and uh, i'm excited to build with him man i think it's going to be a great great um dynasty hopefully we build and um i'm excited for that here i, I man dynasty I'm, I'm in for the dynasty man <laughs> I remember the di- the only thing that would have been better if he pronounced it like Game of Thrones and said dynasty. <laughs> I don't. As soon as he, as soon as I heard the D word, I was like, oh boy, I wonder, I wonder how that's gonna play because you hear like I, I honestly, he probably you know if he sat time if he sat down and actually composed it, he wouldn't have said dynasty. I think it was just what came out at that point. That's the kind of thing that. If there weren't a, the playoffs going on and everything right now, that would be uh, easy headline fodder. You know, uh, C.J. Stroud claims the Texans are a, a dynasty or something, some nonsense like that. Okay, I'm going to Google right now, putting in C.J. Stroud dynasty to see if anybody's picked it up yet. 
I'll tell you, uh, there are two things from yeah, YouTube. A few YouTubes have picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A few YouTubes have picked it up for sure. Uh, like in a clickbaity fashion, or no? I, without clicking on the videos, I don't know. But it's in the headline. Yeah. You know, it's in the title. Well, yeah. What's the headline? That's the clickbait. Yeah, what's yeah. It's a dynasty is in the headline for each of these. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm just I close the tab. Oh, okay. I'm just. Um, Will Anderson said something too that I'm curious if it'll be on a bunch of headlines. We'll play that later. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, it like definitely. I, I actually, I, you know, all kidding aside, now I would like nothing better than for there to be a Texans dynasty. Make no mistake about that. I think we've got one already with the Astros, so we know how a dynasty feels in this town. It feels amazing. It feels awesome being relevant and being able to plan for playoff baseball every October. We know it's, it's there on the calendar. It would be fun to know that January and February we've got things coming up for the Texans that aren't, you know, free agency target lists and things like that. That would be yeah. really cool. I, I, you know, if it just rolled off his tongue, Seth, I like that that's where his mindset is about wanting to build something here with D'Amico. And if Dynasty is what's on his brain, cool, so be it. I think it's great. The number one result that pops up for me on YouTube for C.J. Stroud Dynasty is one from one Landry Locker. <laughs> I don't know if it's pronounced Locker or Locker. Okay. Um, I would say he's not clickbaity on it. He says reacting to CJ. The title is reacting to CJ Stroud talking about trying to build a dynasty. Mm-hmm. The next step and a lot more. Yeah. It's on, that's on the, the Locker Room, Landry's YouTube channel. Good YouTube channel. Absolutely. Yep. Um, here was D'Amico Ryans on Saturday. This is right after the game on Saturday, talking about C.J. Stroud. Yeah, C.J., he's, he did a great job throughout the entire year. Again, proud of him, proud of his just resolve, his confidence throughout the entire year. And he was the guy breaking our team down, right? He's the leader of our team, right? And I'm, I'm so proud of him, proud of how he's grown as a player and as a leader. Like, it's, it's fun to watch, right? Really awesome young man, uh, and the sky's the limit for him and what he can do in his career. Um, yeah, I mean, these two are as aligned as it gets early on. I mean, obviously, they're both in their first year here. It's got to play out still, but things are looking very rosy right now as far as these the, two um, working together. I, yeah, and I think the you know, CJ talked about the trust between those two. It's interesting just because it, some of the pre-draft chatter was, you know, CJ needing to be able to trust the people he's working with. I, I think there were a lot of people making a lot of noise just for no good reason whatsoever. I I almost think, because remember my first impression of C.J. Stroud, what I based it on, when I admittedly said that I needed to learn more about C.J. Stroud, yeah. my first impression was always like, man, he's always, he's always got kind of like a serious or confused look at the press conferences. What's that all about? And then I dug in and I started you know, watching his interviews and everything, and I, uh, I realized there was a lot of substance to him, obviously. Um but I, I, I wonder if some people just take that first impression and, and run with it. But like the, the, since it was a buzzword used beforehand, I, I like that CJ brings it up himself now that he really trusts D'Amico. Yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I, I can only give you where, where my feeling on it and from talking to other people about it, like where was the hesitancy? If there was any hesitancy with CJ Stroud being the guy, what might it have been? And yeah, I mean, there was obviously the football stuff. You know, with, okay, well, he played at Ohio State and guys are running wide open and blah, blah, blah. I think as far as, like, okay, if he's your quarterback and looking at building moving forward and trust in the organization being the big one yeah. is that David Mulligetta is his agent. And I think it was easy for people to conflate the Deshaun Watson situation where the trust in the organization completely yeah. collapsed yeah. with C.J. Stroud. And obviously David Mulligetta being with C.J. from a very influential age 
you know, with him while he's in college still, you know, at a very 20, 20 or 21 because he was allowed to because of NIL and things like that. That's the part that I think made a lot of Texan fans nervous. I think, I think we're past that now. You know, I think there's, this is obviously an organization and a head coach and a GM that CJ can trust is going to do yeah. what's best for him moving forward. I forgot about those. Uh, I, you know, I remember the obstacle to hiring D'Amico was people were convinced there's no way in hell the Texans would hire D'Amico, even if D'Amico wanted to come here, which he reportedly didn't. Uh, but that because uh, he had sued the organization, which I, which uh, I'm on record as thinking was complete nonsense the entire time. Because of the but, turf, for those who don't remember, yeah, he had an yes. injury, yeah, yeah, it was like it was a workers' comp, glorified yeah. workers' comp thing. Um, like I never thought that was going to be an issue. Uh, so there's that, but I. Forgot I forgot about the, I honestly had forgotten about the Mulligetta thing even being a perceived obstacle. Um, it, it was understandable. I like I myself had my reservations. I was wondering about it, but I had no clue whether or not that would be an obstacle. I think the important thing now, if you if you want to start, you know, uh, wringing your hands over the next three, over two years from now, I, I always I always think of the example of Jose Altuve and his agent is Scott Boris. And usually as soon as a player has Scott Boris as their agent, people figure like, oh, well, he's going to go push for free agency because that's what, that's what Boris does. You got to remember that the agent works for the player. And if the player's got a mind of his own, he's going to do what he wants to do and what he thinks is best for him, as Altuve has done. You know, if Altuve, I'm guessing Boris, uh, the first time Altuve redid his deal on that, you know, when the team kind of did him, they, they redid his previous deal, which was a vast underpayment. I'm guessing Boris had probably told Altuve, "No, dude, you should, you should sit around and wait till yeah, free agency. Play it and out and go get a ten-year yeah. deal from somebody." Yeah, he didn't want to do that. Yeah, so I think CJ. I'm, I'm optimistically hoping <laughs> that when it comes down to it, it's, it's not like Boris has told his clients. I don't think he went up to them with there being zero issues or problems and said, "Hey, you know what you should do is force your way off the team." Mm-hmm. I think that was how that like certainly well. Let's see with Deshaun. That's an interesting one. I don't want to. I don't want to read uh, read dive back into that one. Readjudicate Deshaun. Yeah. Um. So I think the bottom line is I think I think D'Amico and CJ are in a really really good place. I I was sitting down yesterday, Seth, as it was raining outside. I sat down with a piece of paper, staring at the rain at my local watering hole, and I took out a pen and I said, "How many teams would say no to swapping head coach and quarterback with the Houston Texans as a, as an ensemble?" They come together as a package, mm-hmm. a package deal. Because um, I think there's a handful of teams that would that, that would say no to the quarterback. I think there's a handful of teams that would say no to the head coach. But if they were a package deal, how many would say nope, we're good? I th- I think there's I think there's only two where I'm like it's a no brainer. They would say no, and it's the two that are in the AFC title game right now. And I'm factoring CJ's contract into this as well. I'm talking about like the ability to build a team moving forward and the ability to have a coach and a quarterback on the same page. I think Baltimore and Kansas City obviously would both say no to that. They're fine with Mahomes and Reed and Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I think the two teams in the NFC are interesting to me in the NFC title game because I think they'd say no this weekend. And then I think the loser this weekend might sit back and think, okay. So even with Kyle Shanahan, they might go, okay, so we get CJ Stroud and we get former 49er coaching hero D'Amico Ryans, we might roll the dice with that instead of Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. Especially Brock Purdy until the end of last week's game yes. looking uh, very much 
very much like a guy that had previously just been the, the beneficiary of a bunch of, well, uh, Debo Samuel, for instance. Yeah. Oh boy, it sure would be nice with Debo Samuel out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm sitting and I'm looking at all 32 teams and I'm going, nope, no. I'm going, like, they, they would do it. They would, yep, they would trade with us. They would trade with us. And, man, I got down to it. And it's like the ones that are even, like, on the radar. Balt- I got five that are on the radar. Baltimore, Kansas City. I would put Cincinnati in there, assuming a healthy Joe Burrow. Yeah, San Francisco and Detroit because they're both in the NFC title game. After that, I challenge you to name teams that the Texans would swap their head coach and quarterback with. I wonder as okay, a package. So Detroit, Detroit, that's tough. I wonder uh, when now. <laughs> if you were the owner of the Lions, it would be different. But the the owners of the Lions have. Uh, the Ford family is generally, they have a history of falling in love with either their GM uh, in Matt Millen or now, I'm guessing, Dan uh, Campbell. Like, and they will stick by him no matter what. The, the, the Detroit, having won that playoff game, uh, can now, like, for the next... For the next 20 years, I think Campbell's job is safe if he wants it. They yeah. love them. They When they fall in love with their, their big galoot, they stay in love with them. That, that's why in this exercise, yeah. I'm giving San Francisco and Detroit a pass to say, yeah. wait till Monday. You can yeah. answer the question. On, wait till Monday to see how you do in this NFC title game coming the up Jared this Goff weekend. thing is the thing, yeah. Totally, yeah, totally. Well, and I think there's a chance D'Amico's probably a better coach than Dan Campbell, too. But to your point, Dan Campbell embodies everything that the Lions want to be right now. You know, they want to be the, they, they, they want to be the punch you in the face team. Um, so there's that. Um, but other than that, the like you start, is you, you, that D'Amico will, will bite your kneecaps, too. He would. He would. He just doesn't. He doesn't. He's not going to. He's going to smile. Actually, uh, Dan Campbell's. You know what Dan Campbell was describing? He was describing D'Amico because he, he said he'll they'll smile mm-hmm. like after you get punched in the face they'll smile but then they'll go after you right so that I feel like Dan Campbell's ideal football player that he was thinking of was D'Amico Ryan's maybe so maybe so but I, I challenge you on the text page just yeah. uh, name a team that would swap that, that you think the Texans would swap their head coach and quarterback with other than the four or five I just named I don't think I mean that that's how that's how things have turned in a year you know a year ago the Texans didn't have a head coach and Davis Mills was the quarterback. Here we are a year later, and you've got uh, you've got a head coach quarterback pairing that's the envy of ninety percent of the league. Okay, now tell me if if salary wasn't factored into it, what would you do with the Bills? Um, I would keep D'Amico. I, I'm I Sean McDermott is shaky to me. I mean, if uh, you're a, but you're looking at it from the Bills from the perspective. Bills perspective, I would swap. I w- I would swap. I think CJ. Yeah. I think CJ is. I think CJ's in the Josh Allen neighborhood, man. They're very different players, but I think he's right, in the neighborhood. Right. Well, they're oh, totally in the neighborhood. And if contract wasn't an issue at all, then you go to the head coach. And I, I think the only reservation that Bills fans might have is, oh, okay, well, this is another defensive, defensive head guy. coach. Yep. And our issue has been that, like, you know, you had to fire the offensive coordinator midway through the season this yeah. year to get things going. That's where their reservations, I'm, I'm guessing. Would yeah, be. maybe. But I guess, and it's, it's only one hiring cycle, but I would say if I was trying to talk myself into D'Amico, I'd say he hired Bobby Slowick. Who is the is one of the darlings of this head coaching search? Like, it, yeah. you know, maybe D'Amico's got an eye for what a good offensive coordinator looks like more so than Sean McDermott does, possibly. Yeah, um, maybe he's like a horse, like a good horse trader, right? Where they can just see things in horses that other people don't. Absolutely, he just have, has an eye for him. Just get these get these potential OCs in a corral and have them trot around a little bit. <laughs> D'Amico's sitting there with a cowboy hat on. <laughs> all these Shanahan assistants all Show looking. Show me a canter. <laughs> these Shanahan assistants all jogging around, like looking at each other, like why are we doing this? Why is D'Amico making us jog around? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Why am I wearing a saddle? I, like <laughs> oh, I like this. That's funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a Tuesday. So feel good about where you are, uh, Texan fans. Uh, what about Lafleur and and Jordan Love? Uh, it's a good question. Green Bay is one I thought about. Here's the thing: the people, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, Jordan Love is about to have to get paid. Jordan loves it. Jordan loves going into his fifth year. <laughs> like he's, you're about yeah, to have- not even like he doesn't have to get paid in like that. Oh, he's entering his fourth year and he's played well. Right? It's the, no, he's they're they're coming up on whether deciding whether or not they might have to franchise. Him. Yeah, like giving yeah. fifty million bucks. Like that's so. And and I thought about that one. That's a good one. Green Bay is a good one. But Jordan Love's about to get paid. And and I think I I like CJ better as a player than Jordan. I think Jordan Love had a really good year. I would take. Stroud at 22 versus Jordan Love at 26 or whatever he is right now. The thing, the thing that always intrigues me is, okay, how does the team's last game in the playoffs affect really like the emotional vibe about a, a player? And I think with Jordan Love, the one thing is he used to have these tendencies where he'd throw the ball up for grabs, uh, like almost like in a panic, desperation way. And he'd ironed it out until crunch didn't. time. Until he didn't. He did it again, yeah. So if you're a Packers fan, you got to be thinking like, man, I love this kid. Boy, look at the growth he's made. Oh, boy, this might just be him. Oh, no. Did you see I, – I sent. I think I sent it to you yesterday. Did you see the cut-up of Jordan Love's interception uh, against the Niners ju- juxtaposed to a Brett Favre interception in a big playoff yeah. game? It looked exactly the same. I, I watched it on my phone, and I didn't have a chance to really look at yeah, it. Yeah, dude, it was, it's, uh, okay. it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it was, Favre was throwing it for the Vikings, but it's still, if you're a Green Bay fan, it's probably some PTSD. For sure. Um, all right, let's get to some headlines, man. We got a lot to get to. Exit interviews yesterday, coaching searches closing out. Um, Josh, the Josh Hader, I feel more and more excited. I'm allowing myself to get incredibly excited about Josh Hader and what it means uh, for the team. We're going to get to that in headlines as yeah. well. Josh Hader unveiled at a press conference yesterday for the Astros their new closer, or is he their new closer? We'll uh, we'll hear from Josh Hader. We'll hear from him in headlines next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents. Pain and Pendergast with today's headlines. All right, let's start with the uh, the Texans exit interviews yesterday, and we got to hear one more time from D'Amico Ryan, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson. We're going to listen to at the top of the hour. Will Anderson had some really good stuff to talk about. We'll get to him at the top of the hour. Here was C.J. Stroud on how important this offseason, his first offseason as an NFL player, will be. Man, it's huge, man. Um... Honestly, like, I'm excited to get back to work, but, of course, uh, it takes time. Like, you can't just rush into it. But uh, I'm really excited to see how much this team is going to grow. Um, and like D'Amico said, man, we got to find some way to get back to that moment and, and win that game, you know. So um, a lot of experience was, was made this year and things like that. So I'm super, super excited for the future and everything like that. Yeah, he was pretty clear a little later on in that press conference. I think he's excited to get a little time off, too. He's, he's, he was saying, I basically had no time off since I was like 12 years old from sports. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. It's been a year-round yeah. endeavor for him. Um, so I think he was excited to decompress a little bit too. But yeah, this should be a, this should be a, a, a fun offseason um, for, uh, for Texan fans and for the, the Texans as we head into year two of Stroud and D'Amico. Uh, good stuff yesterday out there. He said that, um, yeah, he, he said like, through all the youth sports and everything, he's mm-hmm. just never really had any time off at all. I just, uh, as I was listening to it, it was impossible not to think of Deshaun Watson standing on top of a camel. And uh, I, I really, 
I really hope he. I really hope he shows a little bit more judgment and discretion than uh, than Deshaun Watson in his offseason endeavors. In uh, yeah, I imagine he will. Yeah, yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty on many confident. levels. Yes, I'm pretty confident that he will. <laughs> yeah, me too. By the way, do you know I tried to find that I had to go find that image of Deshaun Watson standing on the camel in Egypt mm. uh, and uh, from the off season a few years ago, and I it had like been scrubbed from the internet as far as I could tell. I had to really search to really? find it. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I don't, know if the camel, I don't know if the camel people came after him or something. Like they had camel? The, the, yeah, like the, yeah, the, the animal welfare <laughs> people scrubbed. were like, hey, it's not how you treat a camel, got, damn it. Got scrubbed by big camel. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully he doesn't travel with Quincy Avery everywhere also, I would say. That would be my request to, to CJ. I really um, wish I hadn't said camel people there. I feel like that could be interpreted the wrong way. Yeah. Why don't be, we... Yeah. That was, I meant like the, the people that advocate for the safety of camels. Sure. Okay? Sure. Yeah. Um, the um, as far as other news going on around the NFL coaching searches, um, the ten- Tennessee Titans have found their next head coach reportedly, and it's not Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick was one of the favorites to land that job, and I think a lot of Texan fans who wanted to keep Slowick were a little concerned that Amy Adams Strunk might make a spite hire and get Slowick just to hurt the Texans. Um, they're hiring Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. So it, it's pretty evident what they're looking to do. You know, like a lot of teams, Seth. Mike Vrabel was a close-to-the-vest defensive guy, you know, power-running game, play a low-scoring game, keep it close. The the Titans wanted to look different, and they want to develop. Most importantly, I think they want to develop their young quarterback, and Brian Callahan, a big part of the development of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And, and Callahan is yet another Kubiak guy, so he's on that tree. Um, you know, Zach Taylor took a lot of what he does from Kubiak when they were together in Minnesota, and... Uh, presumably, I mean, it's it's getting to the point where over the half the offenses of the league are have some tie to either Kubiak or Shanahan, um, which is good, can be good because the Texans obviously have a lot of experience just practicing against that and seeing it. But also wonder, all right, that that offense when done properly does have a way of getting the absolute most out of guys who might otherwise be marginal NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, Will Levis does have athleticism. Um, I I'm not real bullish on Will Levis, and yet. I've just seen too many times, whether it's, it's you know Gary Kubiak with Matt Schaub or whomever else, that they they can find a way to make these guys into the best version of themselves. The the you know what the Coop Shanahan offense feels like for me, Seth, especially when I hear you say like half the teams in the league are throws with analytics back like in the 2012 2013 time frame, where yeah. now everybody uses it. So you got to find whatever the next the matrix is to, matrix is to take advantage of like i feel like at some point all 32 teams are going to be running some version of this offense and now you got to find the biggest yeah I, like a lot of it is i i think when it's done properly it, a lot of it with shanahan especially in the kind of where he took everything it's more about a philosophy than it is anything else yeah and like any philosophy it's just it comes, okay, how well do you adhere to it and how well do you utilize it mm-hmm. i just i will say as a player like the first time i came up against it was my rookie year in the nfl and uh, playing the Broncos on their way to a Super Bowl. And I I immediately was like, why does everybody not run this offense? This is this is impossible. It's imp- like, what the hell? I, I, like, this, what, are the, what are the freaking answers to this? And I felt that way the entire time I was a player. Well, a well-executed Kubiak-Shanahan scheme is just an absolute pain in the ass to, to, to play against. Um so yeah, but but yeah, if everybody's running it, then it's not it's not the scheme itself that gets it done. It's yeah. the guys executing the scheme. executing and communicating it, and all those things that that go into coaching for sure. All right, let's get to the Astros here. They make it official yesterday. They introduced Josh Hader 
their new, in a likelihood, their new closer. Here is Josh Hader, his pledge to Astro fans. I promise to give you uh, all I have on the field and in the community. You know, we're excited. We're psyched to, to be here, uh, to win now, and, you know, many years to come. So appreciate everybody here, and, and thanks, Houston. Yeah, bro, we've been winning here. We appreciate you having it. We appreciate you now becoming, uh, well, becoming part of all that. You remember, though, too, because he was in the minor leagues in the Astros of, like, 2013 through 2015 when all they did in the minors was win, 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 yep. no matter what. Yep. They, were, they were dominating. Like, all those young studs down there, your Carlos Correas and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, were just destroying. So he's got that taste of the culture and has experience in the way that they treat their pitchers and everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm getting more and more excited about it. And he has that, that magical Carlos Correa trait, which is clutch in the postseason. Yeah. He's just been outstanding in the postseason. He's, he's a stat nerd's dream. We'll get into that maybe a little later in the show. Yeah. But um, the, I think the big question with this is, hey, they were the Astros were fine at closer. They had Ryan Presley. What, what's the deal with that? Um, and obviously that's something that'll, that'll get worked out, you know, who closes. And it might be a night-to-night thing, depending on matchups. And if there's a slew of lefties coming up in the eighth inning, then maybe Hayter's the guy. In the eighth inning, and Presley's the guy in the ninth. Hater was asked about that. Um, were you signed to be the closer for this team? We signed here to, to win uh, baseball games, to win a championship. And I think, um, you know, like Dana said, uh, Ryan's on the same boat, and we're all in the same boat to, you know, do whatever we can and, and win and win ball games and, and take it to the final step. Uh, the, this is the thing, like. Closers are dumb. It's a stupid concept. It's like antiquated and it should have gone the way of the dodo bird a long time ago. Problem is that they still pay based on the old school ways and arbitration. And there's a certain amount of ego wrapped up in it. I like the notion that somehow your best, your best reliever should always be used in the ninth inning. Uh, sometimes against like the worst guys in the lineup. It's just dumb. So I the, like your high leverage guys on any given night. Whoever's the best high leverage guy on that given night, whoever's best against their best three pitchers, and whether it comes up in the the seventh or eighth or ninth inning, uh, ideally that's the way you should run your baseball team. It's always just a matter of whether whether the dudes themselves can buy into it, and that's why I mean AJ Hinch always wanted it that way, and I I agreed with him. Um, it sounds like it sounds like Hater isn't doesn't have his ego all wrapped up in it. I mean he's got his contract. Yeah, uh, that helps. You know, yeah, like it doesn't. He knows that he's not going to have to be arguing to some team they're like no i'm a closer and i need closer money yeah i here's the thing the, the i agree with everything you just said and i think it gives them incredible flexibility on the back end here and and i'll add brian abreu in there seventh eighth and night because i think abreu's got closer level stuff obviously and he's yeah. pitched in a lot of really high leverage situations for the astros so i'm going to throw him in the mix as well he's way less expensive but i think skill set wise same same boat um the only the only glitch right now for me is we haven't heard from ryan presley We've only heard secondhand from people that, oh, yeah, we talked to Presley, and he's he's cool with it. He's all in. He's this. He's that. They did their fan fest this weekend, and Presley refused several opportunities to do interviews. So he wasn't talking this weekend. Yeah. That's the yeah. only that, – I'm not, I'm not saying yeah, I'm – No, no, I'm, no. It's totally – yeah. Like, it yeah. might be – there might it might just be one of those things where maybe Joe Espada's um, – first real challenge is kind of massaging this situation a hundred percent yes you know exactly how does he manage this hater however he handled that question like whether it's maybe whether that's his genuine sentiment or not it was the right thing to say i think um and he's at least aware of that dynamic so i like that's a good sign absolutely um by the way real quick hall of fame class for 2024 for baseball gets announced today 
Billy Wagner is what Astro fans are going to have their eye on. It looked like the, the voters that had been kind of made public their vote. It's trending in a good direction for Billy Wagner last I looked, but we'll know at 5 o'clock today if Billy Wagner is a Hall of Famer. Colin McHugh retiring as well, former Houston Astro. All right, those are your headlines oh. for um, today. Um, up next, we're going to hear from Will Anderson. And we love Will Anderson. We love hearing from Will Anderson. I'm curious if now that we're heading into the offseason and once the Super Bowl is behind us, are any of the pundits out there going to be killing the Texans for the Will Anderson trade? Hmm. Um, we'll hear from Will Anderson next. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 